0: Welcome to the Robert Affalter Show. I am Robert Affalter, (laughs) and let's get started. I'll give you a little update on what's going on with me lately. It's been about a week since I recorded that very first episode, and I thought I'd be doing this daily, but Friday I had a little interruption in my schedule and went to see my mother, and she didn't seem to be doing as well as usual. Wound up taking her to a doctor, and they wound up recommending we go to the emergency room So we did that, and uh, so on Friday, she was in the emergency room with a bladder infection and wound up in there until Monday, so I've been kind of preoccupied with that. And I don't know how many of you are helping your parents. My mother's now 88, and it's been interesting to watch the aging process. And I've, of course, seen it a little bit. But on a much more limited basis with elderly patients. But seeing it on a day to day basis or several times a day, I see my mother about three times a day. I see her in the morning on my way to the office and take her a coffee and a donut sometimes, or at least that's been lately. That hasn't been a long term thing, but that's what we've been doing lately. I come back and we usually eat something for lunch and uh, go back at night on my way home. So I'm able to monitor how she's doing and watch this aging process. And as I've been telling people, it gives us a, a way to know what we have to look forward to as we as we grow older and actually see what happens. And a lot of us think, well, it won't happen to me, or we're gonna do the things we can to uh, try to prevent some of that happening. And of course I'm doing what I think is important. But as I think about it, I. Of course, I'm seeing a chiropractor at least once a week. Sometimes I'm actually trading care with uh, somebody and uh, frequently I'm trading with somebody else. So I may be seen twice a week as far as a chiropractic checkup. And, uh, you know, that's been important to me all my whole life. And it's also been true of my mother, not quite well, actually even more frequently than that. I check her two to three times a week. but in spite of that, I mean, she was doing great right up into her 80s where she could out walk most of us and was getting around wonderfully. But she wound up having a couple of falls and that was a setback. And these kind of accidents and things that hit us tend to set us back. And I don't see any way around um, the idea that we're going to have accidents that, that set us back and lead to this aging process. I'm reminded of a patient I saw. I actually did a home visit back when I was first starting in practice. And as I remember, the patient maybe was in her early 90s and she'd fallen and couldn't get into the office. So I went to her apartment to check her and she said, we we're sitting there talking. And she said, I've just decided I'm not going to fall again. And she'd fallen a couple of times. And I thought that was great. I've just decided I'm not going to fall again. Well attitude has a lot to do with it and I hope she was right. I don't remember. If she had another fall or not, but things happen. And the best you can do is try to keep a good attitude. And that's one of the things my mother's always had a good attitude is she's saying now, "Case okay, Sarah, sirrah what will be, will be. And the other saying that she likes is what is, is you can't deny what's really happening to you. So, that said that's what's been going on with me lately is helping take care of my mother and we're fortunate she's in an assisted living situation where she gets the care that she needs right away she can hit a button and somebody's there within a few minutes to help her with whatever it is she needs so that's great and i know there's people that can't do that and it'd be nice if we could figure out a way that all of us could go into older age with the care that we need and preserve some of our dignity, I guess, as we move into this stage of our lives. Well, what else is going on? What else do we want to talk about today? That's kind of what's been going on with me. I'm also uh, took kind of took the day off today. My son and I went crabbing went out on our boat, set some crab pots this morning. We're going to get together again this afternoon. And See if we've got any crab. And then I took a little bit of time off this morning. I didn't come to the office till later. And I took some time off and sealed the top of my camper. We've got one of these campers that you put in the back of a truck. So I've got a three-quarter ton truck, pickup truck. And we bought this canniper that goes into camper that goes into it. And my wife and I wanted to try this just to see if we'd like it. So when we sold our house, we bought another house. We intended for my son to remodel it and he did remodel it, but it took some time. And in the meantime, we were living with my daughter and son-in-law and they've got a split level with a basement that's got an extra bedroom in it. So we were living in the basement and we bought this camper with the truck, this combination, and we parked it on our yard. we got a quite a large lot. So we parked it in the yard beside the house and Mandy go up and Mandy and I would go up and we would spend the weekend in the camper and we'd use the bathroom in the house. And we just loved it. <laughs> we, we loved the chance to be in Blaine, Blaine, Washington's where we're living now, very small community and right on the bay. So I can actually, we keep our boat right now. We're keeping our boat in a slip in the marina and I can actually walk to the boat from my house, which is pretty cool. So anyway, we were enjoying that walk and seeing the bay and and just having a really good time on the weekends in the camper. But as time went on, we bought the camper truck combination four years ago, and now we've got our oldest grandsons four and the truck won't transport the kids it's not set up. It's a, the truck's a 95, the campers are 97 and the truck's got a back seat, but it doesn't have the kind where you can lock in the child seats. So we're looking for something else to take our grandkids around. in. now we've got four grandkids, three grandsons and a granddaughter and, uh, four, four years old, one year old and, uh, two months old and a month old, something like that. And we're looking for like an SUV or a truck with a back seat that uh, is newer so that the car seats will fit into it. And we also decided to go with pulling a trailer instead of uh, going with the truck camper. So we've already bought the trailer and now we're wanting to sell the camper truck either as a combination or individually. And I didn't realize that my camper had to be sealed every year. And I didn't think anything about it. The previous owner, we got, as I said, it's a 97. We bought it four years ago. So the previous owner told me that he had just had the roof sealed. So I thought that sounded great and didn't realize it had to be done every year. So I hadn't even looked at it and it had some water damage. And so I was trying to sell it as is. And some people were afraid that maybe it needed more work than it turned out it really did. So I decided to fix it myself. So as I said last time, last episode, the first episode, I'm one of these people that thinks he can do a lot of stuff and and tries to do a lot of stuff. I've done my own auto repairs, auto body repairs and and mechanic work and some construction. And I'm trying to learn the lesson that it's really better to hire professionals. But here again, this is one of these deals where I took it to a professional. If I put the money into it, that The professional wanted to do it. I wouldn't be able to sell it for what I'd owe or for what I've got into it. So I decided just to take some time and see if I could do this myself. So I sealed the top this morning uh, with Flex Seal. So it's a liquid rubber and painted the whole top of the camper with that. Resealed the seam that was leaky. And uh, now I'm ready to caulk some joints. It had a jack that I had hit the jack when I was backing up. It's got electric jacks on all four corners, and I was backing the truck up and tapped the boat trailer in my yard, the tongue of the boat trailer with one of the jacks, and I noticed that it was kind of at an angle. I thought, well, that's not good. (laughs) So I uh, went to look at it, took the jack off to look at it, and the wood was rotten underneath. So I took the wood off, or the jack off, and started looking at the wood. Well, it turned out that we all thought it was a lot worse than it turned out it really was when I actually... Started tearing it out. The stud underneath was fine. So it just needed some longer lag screws and a little better quality wood put on top of the stud. So that's my next thing. My son, that's a general contractor, Ben, who's actually going crabbing with me too, is going to help me get that jack back on so it's on secure. So between that and having the top all sealed up, I'm going to caulk all the joints and make sure it's all sealed up tight and it's going to be ready to sell. And I'm sure somebody's going to really enjoy having that camper. So that's the other thing that's been occupying my time. And of course, I'm working on courses and how to promote courses for F-Alter Academy. And Falter Academy is my, my kind of retirement career. And what I intend to do there is teach courses to entrepreneurs. And one of the courses is what I call mental mastery. And I think it's one of the most important things that we can learn is that we really can control our minds. And a lot of us think we can. I always thought I could. Until I had this experience, I was reading uh, a book by Vernon Howard, I guess it was. And he was talking about practicing controlling your mind. And if you actually practice controlling your mind, at least what I found is my mind's all often getting away from me. <laughs> and, and you can either follow along. I had some people that have taught me meditation techniques. And what I'm looking for, I think I mentioned in the first episode, is looking for the thread of truth in everything. What's the thread of truth in a meditation technique? Well, what I was taught, one way to meditate, and I know there's multiple ways, but one way is to focus on your breath. And if you find a thought coming in and you're not thinking about your breath, to return your thought to your breath. Well, what you're really doing is taking control of your mind, and in my opinion, that's the threat of truth in that, is you're taking control of your mind, and as you exercise that control, you become better and better at it, and essentially, that's what I was doing, was becoming better and better at exercising that control over my mind, until I got to the point where I could exercise that control pretty much for an hour. Other thoughts might come in, but I'd catch them pretty quickly, and for most of an hour, I would be in control of my thoughts. But what I found was that wasn't improving, well, I shouldn't say that, things weren't happening in my life because I was in that area we might call the void, that area where there's nothing going on that's just, that's very peaceful. And I enjoy being there, but you're not making anything happen in your life, or at least I wasn't. And what I learned was that process was very helpful but in order to make something happen in my life, what I had to do was learn to not only control my brain, but to program my brain to find what I'm looking for in life. And that's part of the process I call mental mastery And part of that process, too, is how do you think accurately? And we had a great demonstration of this with my wife and I, I had dinner last week. And we were talking about... Uh, COVID, and I mentioned how Sweden had handled this, and she mentioned that she'd just seen that Sweden had the highest death rate for the first six months of the year that they'd had since, I think it was 1869 or something like that, and I had missed that story, so I asked her, because I had been following, i have been following what was happening, and I just looked to see how they were doing, and I knew that lately, as far as deaths are concerned, they're down in single... So I was wondering, how can this uh, be that COVID deaths in Sweden are that high uh, when I'm seeing that, you know, their curve has pretty much been flattened? So I went back and looked that up. But first I asked my wife, so did you look at the data? I said, well, here's what I know about it. They're down in single digits for deaths. So she said, well, I think sometimes you see what you want to see and you don't really look at all the data. I said, "Okay. well, did you actually read the article? And did you actually follow the data to see if the headline was actually supported by the data? And of course, you hadn't. So I said, okay. So she said, I'm sure you will do it (laughs) because she does know that once challenged, I'll do something like that. So of course, I did. And what I found was there are a number of articles that have been written in different magazines. And of course, they're online as well by different authors, but all of them are basically using the same numbers and making the same case. So it's like a press release went out and everybody's putting their names on it, but they're using the same data. And what I found was that, sure enough, it wasn't, they weren't looking at COVID deaths in particular. What they were looking at was total deaths and total deaths are of course higher the first six months of the year because of COVID, but that's not the all the deaths, right? So they had 51,000 something deaths, I don't have the number in front of me, but they had about that number of deaths. Now their total for previous years is around 90,000 for a year. So to have 51,000 in the first six months of the year isn't really out of line especially if you look at how the covid deaths are now going down so i actually looked at doing it if if things didn't get too much worse between now and the end of august which were you know a few days away from being i think it was august 14th actually i looked at their total fatalities and uh it's like they're just about online they might be a thousand high from what they had two years ago last year their fatality rate was actually down they were down to I don't remember, 88 or 89,000 instead of 90 or 91. So, what the articles were doing was comparing the first six months of this year to the first six months of last year when things were actually lower. So, what we have to do, this is called bracketing. So, if you can come up with the right bracket, you can prove about anything because you're excluding enough data that you can support your position excluding the data. And something to be aware of. It's it's a popular propaganda technique where you're not actually lying. That's, That's the key of propaganda is you're not lying. You're telling the truth, but you're presenting it in such a way that you make people believe something that wasn't true. And we actually got into this when I was a child. It was taught in the schools. I'm not sure that it's taught anymore. Somebody actually told me, it was actually one of my patients who we were talking one day, and and he said he was trained in propaganda techniques in the Navy, and he said we quit teaching propaganda education, I think he said in the 60s, so sometime not too long after I got through school, or actually I went through it in the 60s, so it became a less of an issue while I was in school, maybe put it that way. If that's even true, and I'm not sure I haven't done the research on that. But anyway, what we were talking about is when I was a, a kid, I'm, in fact, I was in high school, I remember a high school teacher talking about different ways of presenting, presenting data. And he gave an example that Russia might say as an example that, that let's say there's a race and Russia might say, well, the United States came in next to last, Britain won, and uh, Russia came in third. And he said, What they don't tell you is there was only three teams. <laughs> well, once you know there were only three teams, then maybe the Britons, the British won, because that's what the Russia had said as well. But and if the United States came in next to last, and there were only three teams. Then the United States came in second, and Russia came in third, which was last. And it's all a matter of how you present the data and how you say it. And I remember when I was in junior high, I took a checked a book out of the It's called How to Lie with Statistics, and I was quite impressed because it was all about how to take statistics, and you're... You're not lying. It's more like what I just said about a propaganda technique, how you can present data in charts and graphs and and make the mind or make your brain make certain connections. That's not lying. And yet it makes you come to a conclusion that might actually not be true. So that's actually one of the weeks of the mental mastery course, is How do we think accurately? How do we we instead of just being reading some headline and, and accepting that as truth, how do we analyze situations and actually arrive at what the truth is? And I think we are all guilty of that. I I try to catch myself and not do that, but it's easy for, as my wife said, her. she thinks I do that all the time. Well, I'm hoping maybe I don't, but I would have to admit that I think that's a human weakness is we tend to see something and we jump to a conclusion that matches what we already think is true we look for it's called confirmation bias actually we look for things evidence that confirms what we already believe and in order to break that cycle what you have to do is look for evidence that doesn't confirm what you already believe and really try to think about it is what you believe actually true or can something else be true And we aren't doing that enough. That's why we have so much polarization in our politics around the world. We don't try to find the middle ground anymore. We look for data that actually supports one extreme or the other and then fight back and forth about the two extremes. And yet maybe neither one's really true. And the way you accomplish that or where you find out what's really true is to look at the evidence that supports both sides and decide which one has the stronger evidence which one's making the better case which one has the most data points helping it and or and maybe there's even a third possibility rather than the two extremes maybe there's a third a place in the middle that explains things better than either extreme and what i'd like to do is be part of that conversation is you know what is it we really want i think all of us really want the same thing we all like to be somewhat prosperous we all like to have our clothes and houses and food and you know the basic necessities of life we'd like to I I remember Maslow's need hierarchy when I was in business school and self-actualization was actually I think at the top where you're trying to be the best you can be if I remember right but we all have these these needs at the bottom food shelter safety longing you know belonging somewhere that's kind of heading up the scale a little bit, Uh, we all have these basic needs that need to be covered. And once those are covered, then we go on and we want even higher things. And as I look at things in my life, I'm not even sure that the the basic needs have to be covered before we think of the higher ones. I can think of people that have decided to go on hunger strikes or, or not been fed well, and yet they had something that they were looking for, something that they were trying to accomplish in their life. And it gets back to what is it that makes us happy? And what is it that makes us happy? Well, it's probably harder to figure out what makes us happy than it is to what makes us unhappy. And I think we're unhappy when we can't accomplish, we can't do what we feel we want to do. We're restrained or constrained or confined from doing the things that we'd like to do. And that can seem to make us unhappy. But one of the things I found with mental mastery is no matter what was happening in my life, I could control my mind and go back to that void where there was just peace. And nothing's happening. I don't have any thoughts. And it was just a wonderful place to be. And yet it wasn't the way to actually make things happen in my life. I wasn't contributing to my success. I guess I put it that way. And yet what I was doing was getting control of the mechanism that creates success. It's very interesting. What I, what I wound up doing was, I think I mentioned in the first episode about the physicist that said the question physicists have been ducking since the time of Newton is, is the universe determined? Well, if we just look at physics, if we start with energy and matter, we just look at physics, then everything is just chemistry. And no wonder then we think we can take a drug and control somebody's happiness. I had a patient one time they called taking an antidepressants or happy pills. And it works to some extent. But if it can work, do we really control our brains by controlling our chemistry? Is a thought. Can we give somebody else a better thought, a different thought, by controlling their chemistry? Or where do thoughts come from? And we can see when we look at memory, I started out by talking about Now, I'm looking at my mother now who's having difficulties with memory. Is memory all there is? Is that what determines who a person is? If we take out our memories and we, we don't remember who we are, we don't remember our family we don't remember our loved ones does that diminish who we really are it's interesting to watch as my mother forgets things and yet there's an element of her that doesn't change and it's, as i say it's really fascinating to watch i had a patient one time that had i forget if it was a car accident or what type of uh, injury she had but Um, It had really affected one side of her brain, and she'd gone from being, I think, a bookkeeper, some kind of an accountant, to being an artist after this injury. So certainly, the way I look at it is, the body is like a tool that I use to have an experience. And whether you want to call it soul or whatever that part of I almost said part of me, well, whatever I actually am, some call it the true self. The true self actually controls the body. But if the body gets to the point where it can't be controlled, it's similar to a, a car. I mean, if you get in a car, any kind of equipment that you use and it won't respond to what you want to do, then it's not because there's something wrong with you if you if you're used to doing it. There's something wrong with the car car's got to get fixed. Well, it's similar to our bodies. Sometimes our bodies get to the point where they just don't respond properly to what we want to have happen. And that's as as a chiropractor, that's what I help people with. I help make sure the bones and the spine are working right so that the nerves work right. (laughs) So that when you have a thought that you want or a desire, that you can make that desire happen by taking control of your brain and taking control of your body. And certainly that's what doctors are helping people do as well, but they're doing it chemically. And I think we have to question sometimes whether when we control somebody chemically, whether that's really a benefit. Let me give you an example. When we control somebody medically, what we're typically doing is we're comparing their lab values to lab values of of a group of people. And if their lab values are too outside of range, then we try to change their lab values to get them within the range. Well, that's one, one approach. But what if that individual, for some reason, needs to have that lab value out of range? I'll give you an example. I read about it. I forgot if it was in the National Institutes of Science or some magazine that was, or a journal that I was taking many years ago, 30 years ago, and maybe even longer than that. It was longer than that. Gee, I'm getting old. (laughs) Almost 40 years ago, probably. Anyway, it was talking about a child who had a rare disease and craved salt. And his mother could actually get him to do things by shaking a salt shaker, and he'd do something for her, and then she'd give him a little salt. Kind of like how we train dogs. Anyway, he became progressively debilitated, and they wound up taking him to the hospital. And of course, in the hospital, they decided he couldn't have that much salt because that wasn't good. And within three days, he was dead. So on an autopsy, they looked and found out that he had enlarged adrenal glands and that that may have been a reason why he was craving salt. He actually needed the salt to support his adrenal function. and I have no idea how that would have worked. I've never looked that up, but that was what it was reporting in the article. Um, The point being that sometimes we spend a little too much time trying to make everybody into the norm rather than looking at an individual and going, well, why are they responding like that right now? Could that be a good thing for right now? And how much support's really necessary? And of course that's been my approach as a is When somebody comes in, I look and I go, okay, well that doesn't look right. Why would they be doing that now? And is the problem something to do with their spine or their nervous system? And then can I help it? Can I adjust the spine so the nervous system works better? And can the body then, can you, their true, your true self, can it then get control of the body and bring those values back to whatever normal is for the individual and not necessarily what normal is for a group? So it's a little different way of thinking about health <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand that don't understand the difference between a chiropractic approach to health and a medical approach to health and think that well many people think we both both approach health the same way just a chiropractor is only interested in back pain and that's not the way we start out at all we actually started out by this idea that the true self of you or what we call the innate intelligence, actually controls the body and is the cause of healing. So with that, I'm going to log off for this time. Thanks for listening. This has been Robert